Welcome once again to Between the Lines, a series of podcast interviews uh, organized by me, Tim Matthews at UCL, on literary translation and the pleasures on, and uh, challenges of literary translation and translating uh, cultural artifacts in a number of forms. Today I'm very pleased to welcome Manuela Peltichella and Eugenia Lofredo, who have many collaborative projects on literary translation and, the, and of cultural artifacts also, and the place of creativity in translation, which I'm very keen to talk to you about today. Uh, they also run a, a blog called Creative and Literary, The Creative and Literary Studio, Explorations in Writing, Translation, and the Art of Text Making, and the link to that blog is on the Between the Lines website. And uh, our students at UCL will know uh, the uh, co-edited volumes, and they will, <laughs> I'm back to show you, uh, Translation Creativity, One Poem in Search of a Translator is another one that you've co-edited, and Manuela with others has also co-edited Staging and Performing Translation. So, there we are. I'm very pleased to welcome you both here today in the, in the latest of the Between the Lines interviews and uh, little events. And... Uh, uh, I just uh, wanted to kick off maybe with uh, some comments that you both make or in, in, in these various books uh, to, to the effect of the process of translation opening up spaces between different practices as well as different disciplines. I wondered if that was a, a reasonable place to kick off with, even though it's a rather general idea. But it's a very striking idea that I think you both in different ways promote. Um. Yes, it's actually um, um, an important feature which um, uh, we also <coughs> refer to in our blog, which is the text text making, and um, so it is um, um, an over-inclusive notion of text, uh, which is not restricted to the verbal domain, um, and it actually relates to the third type of translation, uh, which Jacobson never developed, never elaborated, mm -hmm. which is the semiotic translation. Talk about uh, Roman Jakobson there, aren't yeah, you? Roman yeah, Roman Jakobson, yeah. yes. So it's the idea of translating between semiotic systems. Um, and so tell us what a semiotic system is. <laughs> in a word. Well, <laughs> in a word. Uh, semiotic system, well, uh, the, the one that we know very well is language yeah. uh, with, um, with signs. Um, but there's also symbols and there's also, of course, the visual, uh, s um, visual semiotic system. There's art, paintings. Uh, it's communicating theater, with signs. Communicating with signs. It could yeah. be any, yeah. it could be verbal, but it could be visual. Yeah. Uh, it could be oral, also in sounds, yeah. just really. Um, on a, a um, yeah on a sound level, and um, yes, I was. Um, I think it is this interest started. Um, um, it relates to our background because mm. uh, both mm. Manuel and I have worked with other symbiotic systems um, in the past. Um, do you want to yes, I, I um, you know, I had a degree in English and theatre studies, so working very much with mm. theatre and, and different signs, mm. the visual, the mm. oral and oral, and, um, and actually text as performance. Mm -hmm. So this idea has been um, also in a way applied to, to translation, translation as a performative yeah. mode. And um, we, in relation to um, translation, um, of, of literary text in particular, uh, we were very much influenced by the work of Professor Clive Scott, mm. which um, saw translation or um, question translation mm. uh, as a literary genre. Mm. Uh, so we, you know, as a marked form of literature itself. Mm. So if you think about translation as a, as a literary genre, as a form of writing, mm. then uh, again open up uh, perspectives on texts themselves. Clive Scott also has spoken uh, on, on this website. Mm. Uh, he did another podcast uh, earlier, yes. so people can listen to that one as well. Uh, and yes, uh, you're right. The, the, you, you seem to have in common, all three of you, the, 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 mm. the, the, something to do with, with creativity in translation, that, cre that it is a creative process, mm. and that that creativity has got to do with the, the, the range of different media that translation, yes. any, any one translation can involve. Yes, um, it's... Um, it is also um, about enriching our understanding of writing and reading experiences. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, using, for example, visual mm -hmm. uh, a visual mode of mm -hmm. of translating a uh, text. Um, 
and uh, it's a way of mapping the mindscape of the writer um, of that text and the reader translator of the text. So it's like providing a 3D map. Um, mm -hmm. That so it's it's, it's materialized yes. in you know in, in the visual forms uh, the process of translation itself. Mm. Mm. So it, you don't just have a translator as a, uh, you know with knowledge of languages or cultures, but uh, but the translation the translator become of course the translator reader, the translator writer, but also mm. the translator practitioner, mm -hmm. and really working with with uh, with texts, uh, not just as. Um, intertexts, if you want, but mm. as objects, mm -hmm. um, mm. so to manipulate them, and, and also mm. the way that uh, a text can um, generate different texts in different signs, mm. in different mm. semiotic systems, and that depends very much on the subjectivity and background and um, uh, interpretations of, of the translator writer, translator practitioner. Um, I think uh, Eugenia and I, um, since mm. our postgraduate years, had always had this idea of setting up a laboratory of translation. Mm. And in a way, the, the blog, the Creative Literary Studio, is, um, is a step toward that aim. Mm. But we think that actually studio is a more apt term than a lab. Mm. Um, of course, a lab, uh, you can see it as where translators and writers can experiment in the creation mm. of texts. But studio gives the idea also of artistic creation mm. and a space where uh, one can share ideas, mm. where lots of materials are there, mm. um, materials that you can touch, mm. you can view, uh, not just the written word. Mm. And so we, that's why we came up with this idea of the studio where you can um, uh, you know, use these materials, these media, these ideas, these responses mm. uh, to text, to create mm other texts mm. um, which complement, uh, if you want, the text of departure. Yeah. You just started the blog, haven't you, quite recently. Um, are, are there any projects already going on there in, in the studio? Yes, we have a theme uh, of uh, translating mythology yeah. at the moment, mm. and uh, we had the two interesting contributions, um, yes. which looked um, where we have um, translations of myths. Mm. Uh, but it, uh, rewritten by uh, two different writers. One is the scholar and um, uh, poet and classical translator Josephine Balmer, and the other one is uh, it's, um, Alex. This is Alex Valente, who's, um, who's doing a PhD in uh, literary translation at UEA. And, um, um, and it's quite interesting, he's translated uh, Dialoghi with Leocco by Pavese, the Italian poet. So it's basically rewritten a text that was rewriting mythology, so it's quite interesting. Uh, so Paese rewrote these dialogues, or dialogues, he imagined these dialogues between uh, gods and, and the heroes of the uh, classical um, Greece. And uh, Alex has rewritten uh, these dialogues in English, but also adapted to a diff well, with a different register, uh, with a different view on those, uh, well, on mythology, so, uh, and also relating those dialogues um, to a different context. Contemporary uh, events? Contemporary, or, yes. And making up new gods and heroes it, for the contemporary it, it, period, it, perhaps? I have to say that it, it wasn't a, um, a manipulation in terms of, uh, of, of changing the stories of gods or, mm -hmm. or the, the, you know, the characters, uh, but it, it was a modernization of, uh, or working a lot on the language of the different um, uh, registers of the of the gods and mm. the mm. and and the heroes. Mm. It's it's a, an idea I picked up reading your books as well. Was was um, something about a, a different relation between a different idea of intercultural uh, translation or intercultural relation that you're more concerned, or that the concern with practice mm. is less leads on to a different set of concerns with just preserving cultural purity or, or mm. trying to. Uh, trying to communicate a cult culturally specific moment or, or object, and, and, and the practice allows you to think of in different terms or more broad terms about that. Would that be right? Or are you still thinking about maintaining the, the, the cultural moment of Pavese or others? I think there is a recontextualization. Hmm. So there is always the meeting, the dialogue, the uh, negotiation of meaning. 
Um, so it's again, it's it's uh, voices uh, which are present, different mm. voices present mm. at the same time. Uh, no, pos well, possibly not one dominating over the other. Mm. So I think yeah. that's the idea of the dialogue. Is yes, the mm. dialogue, but the dialogue can be full of tension as well. Mm. And so uh, you can have these, uh, beca because translation is a meeting of cultures. I mean, we are not, we, we are aware of that, obviously. Mm. But it's also a meeting of different um, ideas, mm. uh, different sure. reading experiences as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and again, um, not just um, to different foreign cultures, but also temporal cultures. Yes. If you think about retranslating yeah. or relocating texts written in the past, mm. as with uh, mm. um, you know, classical mm. mythology, yeah. for example. And um, one of the uh, collaborations which uh, Eugenia and I are working on and uh -huh. will appear later on on the blog is actually um, and, and is linked to the studio's current theme of translating mythology is the creation of a concrete poem uh -huh. um, around uh, the theme of Pygmalion and Galatea. <laughs> and um, so I think we, we like the idea of the metamorphosis yeah. and, and also so the reshaping, yeah. the awakening yeah. of, yeah. Um, you know, of the statue as well. And um, we're working on, uh, on the um, Ovid's text but uh, looking at putting into the shape of the statue of Galatea uh, waking up. Yeah. So this is and this is a collaborative um, translation right. which we are both doing uh, because one of the things that we want to also promote is that translation can be collaborative. Yes. And maybe yeah. should be more collaborative. Should <laughs> be more collaborative <laughs> because yeah. when <coughs> not only when you translate a text you enter into dialogue with that writer of the mm -hmm. text, with the text itself. So the translator, of course, becomes for us a co-writer, um, but also actually um, collaborating between translation and artists, for example, translators and artists, and all between translators, translator and writers. And I, we thought that, again, the mm. idea of the studio gives uh, voices to that shared space. Mm. Um, and this is one of, uh, of the collaborative experiments which we're going to put forward. Mm. Anyway, it, does, um, it doesn't encourage a, a different uh, uh, understanding of, of the notion of authorship, in a way, where mm. authorship doesn't have to be an individual um, idea. Uh, yeah. mm. Or concept, or concept uh, as it is now. It's very much an individual well, I suppose Constant people, people discover things in collaboration which they might not discover on their own, that, that, that sort of thing. You, you, I, I yeah. think, you, you know, I think yeah. collaboration is exciting, yeah. it's democratic, uh, is, I mean, I w of course, there's al again, yeah. there's always going to be negotiation yeah. of, yeah. Uh, you know, um, issues as well in a collaborative uh, yeah. uh, setting. But I think it's, it's quite interesting because it highlights how... Um, you know, co-translating yes. uh, can be a way forward mm. to just mm. look at text in different ways, yes. hearing all sets of different voices. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that's right, yeah. Yes. Um, because in the end, one person hears what they hear, don't they? And it's a bit, uh, mm. Yeah, so because with, with one translation, you may hear just one voice, and you yeah. may think it's the only voice, yeah. or it's the voice of the of the yeah. author, or, you know, yeah. the original. Yeah. Uh, but if there is a conversation going on, and you hear sort of polyphony, yeah. then you're aware that interpretation is just one of the main interpretations. Yeah. So you're not misled as a reader that you're actually given the original yeah. in a different language yeah. <laughs> but also yeah. you bring yeah. you bring different skills to yeah. the yeah. to the sp workspace and different you know techniques and so on it's yeah. quite i think it's quite um mm. uh, empowering actually yeah. the collaborating yeah. mode yeah. So, as you said it creates a new literary genre you know within the translation genres or like yes. soup genres so it could be quite interesting yeah. it's just rethinking and writing in, yes. in general and yeah. fe feminist yeah. translators especially working in the canadian context mm. they they already use collaboration as a uh -huh. as if you know a co-translation because it does foster it. creativity as well um, yeah. Well, in the sense of new practices. Yes, new practices. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, just yeah. meeting of minds as yeah. well, and, yeah. and exchange of ideas, and yeah. raise new ideas. You yeah. know, really handling the text in yeah. in different ways. Yeah. Um, I I find it quite uh, maybe because I come from a 
theatrical uh, context, which is, it's yeah. a theater is highly collaborative. Uh, I find collaboration a, a, a brilliant way of working and creating yeah. things yeah. that are exciting. And so your translated statue of Pygmalion and Galatea, what will it look like? It'll be on the blog, I suppose. It'll just be... <laughs> it will be published on the blog. But yes. it's, it's very much work in progress. Okay. But, yeah. um, it'll be... Uh, um, yes, we actually think we, we still, you know... Um, debating. Yeah, debating whether we should use an actual uh, photo of a statue and mm -hmm. write on the skin uh -huh. of, uh, of Galatea, or maybe just create a shape with words. That, uh, yeah, this is still, yeah. that, that's collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. You're still negotiating. Still negotiating with, uh, that, but uh, you can also have it, I was thinking on the blog, you can make it 3D as well, can't yes. you? Or yes. Or that illusion. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. So we, we're learning new skills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. so it's quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So talking a little bit about theatre, um, there's, a, there's a great deal of translation going on in theatre mm -hmm. at the moment, isn't it? So change the subject a little bit, but it just occurs to me because of what you were saying about collaboration and, and coming from a, th a theatrical background um, and, and there seems to be quite a lot of um, um, in fact Christopher Hampton in one of your books talks about the fact that you know, producers want new translations every time you know and I uh, yes. uh, just wondered what you th what you thought about that yes I, I think uh, that um, you know we have this um, perception of translations because they, they uh, you know if you think about written translations they are linked mm. to language and language yeah. changes over time yeah. is dynamic so mm. often and especially in theater which is such as uh, an oral me medium yeah. uh, the directors find that a translation that was written 10 years ago um, mm. it's is lost is is kind of um, effect yeah. and uh, they usually especially artistic directors when they look at a, uh, at a new production they usually commission yeah. um, new translations although yeah. with novels as well you have the every maybe 15 to 20 years maybe a, a translation will be recommissioned as yes. well a new translation yeah. and I think it's linked to this idea of language but in theatre it's linked also uh, to the I, I think to the vision of the artistic director yeah. and they usually will work with a particular translator in mind yes. Um, yes. To, to, to give voices to their yeah. to their vision but yeah. it's not just the artistic director you know you have you, in theatre you have all this um, collaboration I mean actors as well and, yeah. and, um, and translators yeah if um, they're quite established, they will be invited in, in the rehearsal room yeah. so that they can actually change yes. lines, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, there and then during the mm. process of, of yeah. rehearsing. Um, and that's quite interesting as yeah. well uh, to look at. So, um, yes, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's common practice in, yeah. in theatre, and especially in, in British theatre, yeah. to, um, to commission uh, new yeah. translations. Yeah. Um, or adaptations, and, and that we, we go into terminology. Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, <coughs> again, in one of these books, I think the one on theatre, it's Claire Finborough, I think, who talks about you know, the, 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 the proliferation of translations isn't... isn't mm. I mean, you're talking about it as a very experimental thing, uh, but, I, but there's also the idea that uh, you, you, new translations appear because we want it to be more natural. We want it to, uh, we want it to sound more like we actually mm -hmm. talk now, or, or something like this. And so that, therefore, the, the, the proliferation of ever, ever new translations it doesn't necessarily serve oh, yeah. experimentation. No, 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 it, because it's, I mean, in theatre, <coughs> you have, uh, especially in Britain, I think you have a, a big tradition of re realist theatre or yeah. um, social realist yeah. theatre. Yeah. And, and therefore, yes, so you yeah. have uh, translations, um, commissioning translation, but not necessarily. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been to productions where, um, you know, because it, it, it's not just the text itself. Yeah. You know, you need to think about the setting as well. And, and you know, you could have, um, uh, you know, you could have everyday speech, but also an experimental type of setting. That's and true. that, and that yeah. also, you know, that's, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. it uh, will operate a kind of refrendum's effect. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so you need to think about that. But yeah. um, uh, in the context of production, really, yeah. and what and what they want, the company wants to achieve, or the theatre yeah. wants to achieve. Yeah. Um, but of course, uh, there is lots of controversy in uh, in, in theatre translation because often you have um, uh, you know we you have monolingual um, playwrights translating foreign text mm. 
uh, which they, they cannot access. So mm. they, they would translate them with the help of a literal translation. And so there is lots of controversy about whether um, this is um, you know, a right process and so on. And I, I, I wrote about this and I, and I, I was involved as well in, mm. in these projects as a literal translator. Um, for the Royal National Theatre Studio. And we see these processes as, um, you know, like the literal translation is the first draft mm. of a long process. And this text then will be um, rewritten, adapted, or co- recontextualized by someone else, and then again by the, you know, by the theatrical team, so yeah. within a, a multi-science si- system. Yeah. So, Yes, it, it does um, um, show uh, the you know that the text is not um, a sacred text. It, it does get manipulated by a different hands. <laughs> um, so it's quite interesting the the the, the idea um, of of editing uh, that the translation is always going through mm-hmm. different drafts. There isn't the, the final product, and and I think also our idea of the process of translation is to show that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and maybe th- there is a collaboration, even if it is uh, um, is is not asked for, <laughs> in terms um, of, of 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 a text that has been manipulated, you know, in theatre by well different collaborators, and also in publishing houses by editors. So um, something that does does happen anyway. I think uh, mm. the. Mm. Uh, the, the question is if you make visible this drafting process, mm-hmm. if you make visible that mm-hmm. someone else has worked on the first draft, mm. then you know it's. Uh, I don't see any problem with it uh, no. if you make visible mm. the process. But yeah. often this uh, is for marketing purposes yeah. uh, is not made visible. So that's the, where the controversy arises. Yes, I think for marketing purposes, both <coughs> in publishers and in theatres or mm. something or cinemas even, you know, it's uh, it's as though. This is a, the new version. It is paradoxically, it's presented as a more faithful version, version yeah. uh, of an original text because it's a new translation, and therefore it's um, yes. more faithful, also in the sense of more uh, understandable to the to a contemporary audience. So, mm-hmm. so it, in a sense, what 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 can be what is clearly a, 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 a you know a collaborative and, and creative process is then marketed as a. As, as a quite a traditional product, mm. which is, as I say, the return to to, to, to an idea of faithfulness to an original text. Yes, it was uh, very interesting the way they worked at the Royal National Theatre Studio because this process was very much uh, made visible. We were for a week uh, the the literal translator and the um, the source language playwright, and mm. then the adapter, the, mm-hmm. the English adapter, worked together for a week mm-hmm. on the on the on the text. So that was uh, extremely mm. um, uh, positive yeah. and and empowering yeah. again. This idea yeah. of collaborating on one text and looking at different. Um, and in that case, of course, the author is, is a living author. So yes, yeah. so that was possible because yeah. he, they they managed to invite the source yeah. language playwright, yeah. and you had the kind of literal translator slash dramaturg slash consultant, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had the adapter, yeah. um, uh, the English adapter, working yeah. together, and I think it was a model that worked quite well because it was acknowledged the way yeah. the process was done was acknowledged. Yeah. Yeah. You talk, uh, uh, um, Janie, about uh, uh, translating Jeanne Ivrard at a certain point, yes. don't you? Um, and she's writing very, very difficult prose, I suppose. And mm. the point I wanted to make is you, you talk about translating prose into poetry. Um, yes, um, that was <laughs> um, a very interesting uh, experiment. And I think it was the first time when I was thinking of uh, what we call intergenetic translation uh, translation between different genres, in this case prose, from prose into poetry. Um, it was um, the idea that while I was reading the book, I could actually hear the voice of the mad woman, and I thought, apart from all... She's Caribbean at, at large, yes, isn't she? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <coughs> and I think she was, um, uh, yeah, she was learning French, but also um, the... Um, the, the language of the Creole. So was uh, she was trapped in between languages. She was uh, she was forced to speak French. In the, in so um, so language is a prison that maybe uh, drives <laughs> that uh, drove her uh, mad. But um, 
Jadi it was that discordant voice drumming in my head and I thought that was the important characteristic mm. I really wanted to translate. Um, and um, and I thought that poetry was somehow a way of um, of capturing uh, that voice mm. in a shorter piece mm. and also recreating all the um, well, all those features which belong to orality to voice, which are very difficult to translate into um, into into writing. Mm. Um, so even intonation and um, and uh, the um, the monotony as well of you know the lament. Mm. Um, so I tried to do that. Of course, you know I had to do this. I transformed from um, um, uh, into uh, I, I I took most of well important sentences. Of, of the book and uh, and and then into it from from French and then translating into Italian, so that was quite an, an interesting. And I thought uh, I I managed to capture those those you know those the features I could actually hear, even paying attention at the single uh, phoneme, the actual sound, you know, the repetition of certain sounds, um, because uh, there is there is a sort of um, symbolic meaning to certain sounds like the m. The mur of mother, but also the mur of the lamenting. So I was trying to uh, recreate all those effects. Um, Which would be the same if <coughs> symbolic content in, in Italian, then? Mostly, yeah, because mm. they, they seems to be part of our anesthetic. Also, if, well, if you think of, you know, of, of the first words, you know, the mur sound mm. for, you know, child is you know, the first sound they actually mm. um, utter. Mm. So, uh, so it was a very important one in that mm. case, yes. Mm. Did, did you publish it as a whole book? Uh, no, it was, it was part of my PhD thesis, mm. and I just published a few excerpts um, in, in articles in uh, some mm. journals. But I was um, I was thinking at some point of of trying that um, into English, mm -hmm. um, which of course is all set of different problems uh, in terms of mm. finding the right phonemes and the right. Yes. Uh, but it's something that you know is on the pipeline yes, at the moment. Yes. Because, because uh, as you say, the, the, the phonemes might not have the same association. Yeah. Yes, and also is is because of of course of languages and the way the Italian sounds. You know the sort of syllables there. You know, yeah. whereas in English you have you know uh, also the um, um, monosyllables that don't not always work as well as you know the polysyllabic words in Italian. So yeah. uh, it's it's part of you know the structure of the language. They, so we have to rethink completely the devices of um, of you know of of the language structure, about the language uh, sounds as well, the linguistic sounds. Particularly with regard to a lament. Yeah, yeah lament. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, what projects are you on at the moment? You were talking about translating a Manuela translating a poem into a into a video. Yes, um, one of the projects I'm, I'm working on. It's um, the translation of a um, sonnet by Carducci, um, Traversando la Marima Toscana. She's crossing the Tuscan Marima. And it's a sonnet about um, the relationship with the landscape, uh, um, especially the, the land of youth and uh, childhood and youth. And also a reflection on, um, on life itself and past and present. And there's this idea of the journey. And um, Carducci wrote the, the sonnet after a journey from Livorno to Rome, so crossing actually the, the Toscan Maremma, which is a, in the southern part of Tuscany. It's a very wild land still, um, and where he spent most of his child. And so there is this idea of the journey, there is this idea of not only the actual journey, but the metaphorical journey of um, uh, of, of life mm. and um, of um, looking outward to nature and then inward. And I wanted to um, really translate uh, and highlight this idea of movement and journey. And I thought that one of the ways that I can do that is actually having a filmic mm. po uh, mm. poetry. Uh, so it's a still work in progress, but uh, it'll be, you know, the, 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 there'll be text mm -hmm. or voice. Uh, over a video of um, a, a journey and and this landscape 
uh, running through. So it's, it's still work in progress, but uh, yeah. something to uh, to look at. Mm. Um, and will you leave the voice in Italian, the, the words in Italian? Uh, no, <coughs> it will be in English. So um, I think the, the only thing I'm thinking is whether at the moment to have a masculine voice mm -hmm. uh, or to have a feminine voice. But it will be in English and it'll... Um, so that, that's obviously another challenge for me to, to translate into English. Uh, and you also have, obviously, the constraints of uh, the sonnet itself, uh, with rhyme and meter and, and rhythm. So the way to do that uh, in, you know, in, a, in, in a filmic poetry. But, um, especially, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. especially as the English sonnet has developed into a form which isn't necessarily the same as the Italian yes, sonnet form. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's w whether we want to keep a um, uh, rhyming scheme or where we want to keep the meter. This is something that I still have not decided. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at the moment at the, the words that he uses and all the implication. And there are allusions as well to... Um, to Italian literature that he does, and, and and really to this landscape, which is very Italian, very Toscan. Um, so, you know, this is something also to look at uh, how, you know, if, if you're going to translate something in English, how do you give the sense of this Italian landscape, or do we relocate? Yes, I was going to say, you yes. also <laughs> the Italian <laughs> landscape translates to another place. Within, yeah. within um, <coughs> you know, a... Um, and, uh, you know, an English mm. landscape, for example. Mm. So there's all these ideas um, mm. going on. So this, um, this is something that um, interests me. But also, um, Eugenia has been working on multimodal translations of Ungaretti. Yes, I've, I've done... Um, I've done The Infinito by Ungaretti. I mean, all the Ungaretti's poems are, are very short. And then there, there's an imagistic sense of the well, the image. So there is this, um, um, you know, this urge of translating the image, in the poem, you know, the poem into an image, mm -hmm. um, which I've I've done for the for the Infinito uh, by Ungaretti. Um, it's also because Ungaretti uh, grew up in Egypt, um, so he has um, he has the he has the view of the desert and the mirage. So that illusion, optical mm -hmm. yeah, illusion, um, which um, I was trying to recreate in this infinite, you know, the infinite was the infinite. Um, so the the tension between the ephemeral and the infinite, uh, which I've done with the sort of um, uh, well, actually, it was optical illusion because I was creating uh, just a couple of words um, on a black and white. So you have a sort of foreground and background. Um, and so this tension and gate by you know between the will last and you know forever the infinite and what what doesn't will like a flower that um and that that, that, that dies and because uh, yeah a flower which is plucked um so so yeah so we, we I was working a lot with uh, with images uh, and digital images so two dimensional yes two dimensional yeah. at the yeah. moment. But there was also the idea of the movement, mm. um, maybe not in terms of, of like film, more of words um, and um, and objects moving on a, on a screen. Yeah. Um, so to you know, it was the next step. Yeah, mm. it's interesting what you say about Ungaretti being, uh, you know, connected to Egypt, which I'd overlooked, mm. I must say. But but in in, in in Egyptian visual, I mean, such a broad field obviously in such a broad time scale but but often there's that flatness isn't yes. there in, in, in uh, the flattening effect of, of uh, Egyptian um, pictorial representations yeah. of, of people, people and yes. so it, mm. it strikes me that you know you might that that's sort of repeated mm. in, in the practice yes, you describe yeah. of, of, of mixing background and foreground in this way. yes yes uh, and I can imagine I think uh, you know the, the interplay of black and black background and white word mm -hmm. yeah. you know could, could interestingly and confusing of the, the, the reader in that way. In terms There's also the word that is repeated, um, like ad infinitum effect. So uh -huh. it gives you this mm -hmm. dizzying effect of looking <laughs> at it. And you lose, you know, Travis is actually, it seems that it's going forever, this board, yeah. but it eventually stops. But it's yeah. again the optical illusion of infinite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So would you like to work on, on more than one Ungaretti poem in this way? Um, I've, I've, the moment I was, I was still working on, you know, yeah, because yeah. yeah, of the, you know, yeah. idea of, you know, 
because they were um, they were coming from his experience of Egypt, so I, I wasn't I wasn't looking yeah. <laughs> at other poems by yeah. him at the moment. Yeah, and how many how many lines? I, I, I don't remember the poem. How many lines in it are there? It's um, a two, I think. Yeah. Oh, right. It's very very short. So mm -hmm. one line is the infinite, and the other one is you know is the flower, the image of the ephemeral, that something's been plucked, plucked and um, and yeah. wither away. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the other books I mentioned was one, one poem in search of an author. Mm. Uh, very much uh, involves the visual, doesn't it? Yes. Um, yes. It's, it's, it's a poem by Apollinaire called mm. Les Fenêtres, and Apollinaire, the, the, the French poet of the first part of the 20th century, very much engaged in, in, in visual, in, in you know, the, the emerging avant-garde painting of the time, Picasso and Braque and the Futurists and others. So I just wondered if you wanted to say anything about that project, about, about the really strong... Mm. Uh, kind of eruption of, 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 the, of the visual from, from from the verbal in in the pages of, of your book. <laughs> that was um, um, a very an interesting pro, um, project, mm -hmm. and uh, we gave um, uh, the poem Le Fenêtre mm -hmm. to um, different contributors. Mm -hmm. uh, some were uh, translators working in an academic setting. Some were creative writers. Um, some were artists. Uh, visual artists, performance mm -hmm. artists, and we didn't have any brief as such. Uh, so really we wanted just the response, you know, translations uh, as response mm -hmm. from these contributors. Uh, but one thing we wanted is that whenever possible the, the process of translation would have to be made visible uh, either through drafts or mm -hmm. through commentaries, mm -hmm. so each poem um, was um, uh, complemented by a commentary, whenever possible, uh, of of the journey that these um, translators undertook in the company mm -hmm. of um, of Apollinaire, yeah. and uh, we had uh, uh, a, a range of responses, um, if from in a way from a verbal mm -hmm. uh, texts although these were full of intertextuality and full of um, allusions to uh, the translator's own writing yes. or, or own background, mm. to actually quite brilliant visual uh, um, artifacts. Uh, artifacts. Yeah. Yes. Maps and... Uh, Maps, and I was thinking, yeah. that's right. Yes. Yeah. Ira Lightman's contribution to yeah. uh, with with a map. Yeah. And, uh, and also <coughs> the collaboration between uh, writer Patricia Dunker and um, painter Anne Jacobs. So we had these um, uh, uh, paintings right. and, uh, well, mixed media, actually. Yes. Um, yeah. Anne uh, Jacobs is painting over the rough, rough drafts. Yeah. Yes, yeah. at the end, oh, writing. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it was, it was almost... Um, you know, complementing the yeah, the writing yeah. uh, itself, uh, uh, and also we thought uh, it was quite nice to have in um, in two of the contributors actually in writing. Uh, it was in the in Anne Jacobs uh, contributions so mm. Patricia Dunker and writing, yeah. and also Tom Pauline and writing. Yeah. The first draft that yeah. he wrote that he sent was and written yeah, yeah. and yeah. we also had Apollinaire's own handwriting yeah. at the beginning in <laughs> yes. the in the source language poem yeah. so it was very nice it was this continuity of mm. uh, well reminding that uh, that even well. a verbal form is very much a visual form yes. in itself yeah. yes. and bodily you yeah. know quite quite mm. you know the hand you know yeah. the, 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 the calligraphy yeah. yeah calligraphy exactly mm. yes and then uh, and Jacobs is Brushstroke is very spontaneous as well, mm. even on the printed page. I think it yeah. looks like that. Yeah, mm. and also you use a uh, um, coloured coloured mm. typography, which is very striking. And uh, you must have uh, some contributions. Yes, yes, yes. The colour, yes, um, yes. We also have um, uh, one contribution with the um, uh, traffic light. It was yes, yes. interesting <laughs> because you, uh, all the colours mentioned. Martin Sorrell, I think. Yeah, yeah. yes, Martin yeah. Sorrell. So yeah, the. The three colours actually remind me of a stop and a go. Um, the poem so begins with the three colours, doesn't it? it? So it, it yeah. yeah, and the traffic light is a sort of iconic city so object, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So it was quite interesting. Once you give uh, sort of free rein to you know to the you know to the contributors, they did um, yeah. they take yeah create quite interesting um, products. Exciting, so very yes. exciting. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think that translators do feel um, a bit obliged to be faithful, restrained, <laughs> restrained. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and once you know this project actually leaves you, you know, um, just uh, 
free space to do whatever you, you like then and um, and it is faithful in mm, a way to but we, we, we revise the notion of fidelity mm. n, n, you know to actually Apollinaire's own way of um, you know writing and uh, being creative in their ways so. mm. I do think I mean that was my impression as well of the book you know if you were to imagine Apollinaire living now 100 years later and uh, if you if you if you imagine what kind of yeah. translation of his works he would want, I don't think he would want a faithful one in that sense. No. I think that no. would bore him <laughs> immeasurably, you know, and and, and yeah. striking was very pointless. And and but but engagement with uh, as as a translator with 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 somebody else's art and producing new sorts of uh, mm -hmm. forms of expression, exactly what he was doing himself in relation to the painters that he was working with. So. Yeah. As you say, you're translating the approach to, yeah. to art making yeah. mm -hmm. rather than just the words, isn't it? Yes. And, uh, yes. It was a very, very powerful you know, and lovely book uh, to, to look at, I have to say. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and one thing I wanted to ask you, it's sort of almost technical, but um, you must have had a, a, very, uh, a very understanding publisher. Uh, to be able to do all these things on the page, oh. because if you flick through the, you know, flick through it, it's it's, uh, you know, it's words all over the place in different colours. There there are, there are, there are maps in in odd shapes with with many colours. There are words in boxes. It's a uh, it's, it's an extraordinarily complex mm. uh, yeah. artifact. I think we were very lucky to have uh, yes a very understanding publisher, but also uh, we had two editors working uh, on mm. it. The, the first one was. Um, I can't remember Alexis. Um, she um, she was very um, enthusiastic about the project, mm -hmm. and then halfway to the pro, and she had this vision as well of how the book would develop. And halfway to the project, mm -hmm. she left for Penguin. Uh -huh. We left yeah. for Penguin. We never knew the gender <laughs> of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> editor. We never knew the gender, and uh, and we got another editor and Hannah, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. she was brilliant as well, and mm -hmm. they. They really kind of Godfrey, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yes. We had the graphic designer as well who helped us a lot, uh -huh. making yeah. sure that everything everything was at the was right place, at the right <laughs> place, the right colors. <laughs> and I think at the beginning we were thinking actually because we we thought this is going to be quite a um, you know a book that looks at uh, you know text in a different way, and we thought about uh, mm. having actually a CD-ROM to go with it mm. or a DVD to go with it, but that would yeah. have been a bit too. Much, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, so you know, something interactive as well for <coughs> for the reader. Maybe yeah. next project. <laughs> <laughs> next project. But it was um, <coughs> no, it was we, we were very lucky with the editorial team and um, and they did a fantastic mm. job. We, yeah. we we were really happy with it and the contributors were happy, which is yeah. obviously the main thing because it was their artifact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, it's developed into the projects. I imagine you were talking about before with with Ungaretti and and, yeah. the, the, and, and your video translation of the sonnet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so is, is, I suppose intermedial translation is quite crucial then to, to the way you, you think and and, and 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 to your practice. Yeah, experimentation and yeah. creativity seems to go hand in hand with uh, with multimodality and, and you yeah. know this idea of text making. Yeah, the text yeah. making. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. To uh, you know to to look at uh, not just the verbal text, but the, the you know non-verbal text, verbal and non-verbal, and yeah. Uh, yeah. multimodality, the use of multimodality in the yeah. creation of texts. Yeah. yeah, reading a text, the view in a text as well. The, yeah. And yeah. I mean, with all the new technology as well, yeah. and the way that people are starting to read books, I mm. think uh, you know. Um, Multimodal texts uh, will be quite will fit quite mm. uh, well. Also, because digital poetry now is is quite it's popular right. as yeah. well, and uh, so people are getting used to to read um, um, and 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 see and look at what they're reading. Um, I mean, with the combination of words and images. So I think that uh, multimodality yeah. with the Internet and of course the modern technologies has, has allowed yeah. uh, this um, uh, new way of reading. So of course of organizing instruction also our mind in a way we associate uh, words and images and also moving images. So. And we are, I mean, we are surrounded by multimodality all the time. And I think as a culture and society, we are going towards a more mm. visual mm. Um, culture, and uh, you know. Yeah. With, mm. um, different um, uh, technologies 
and so on. So I think it's quite fitting to introduce uh, new ways of creating text. Yes. Mm. I think some people say that uh, um, you know digital poetry and, and uh, um, new ways of disseminating text are, are, are more interactive mm. for the reader. Uh, or the view or the combination. Do, do, do you think that's true? Is, is, is that, or was that part of your concerns or, or, or not? Or, or not quite in that way or very much part of them or what? You I know, the, the participation yes, of, the, of the reader in the creation of the text or something like this. I think <coughs> that you probably have... Um, it, it, you know, it depends on the reader as well, but you mm. probably have a more active um, reader that also contributes to meaning in a in a way that he, he or she can actually change uh, words around or, or input as well in, yeah. in interactive texts yeah. than the uh, traditional, if you want, yeah. or the reader of traditional yeah. Um, yeah. verbal texts. Uh, but also that is um, that kind of reader is also very much active because you know you you by reading you create meaning anyway mm, but exactly. i think mm. this is this is one step towards actually inviting the reader mm. into the collaborative process into a process mm. that of writing and creating that he, he or she would not have been um, allowed to mm. um, so you know it's it's maybe one step farther mm. and it is i mean uh, it is a concern of ours i mean we we want mm. to make uh, translation um, uh, democratic mm. and communal mm. and uh, really accessible mm. um, to to everyone, even those who are not uh, familiar with it. Mm. And I think one way of doing that is actually to entice them into mm. the process. Yes, because mm. so we, we definitely um, aim, aim in, I mean, I'll target up um, active readers. Uh, so not the passive readers; they're just expecting. Um, already <laughs> made meal basically <laughs> so in a way we, we, we like our readers to 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 contribute whether it's a contribution just uh, just through reading and creating meaning in their own minds or possibly reading which materialize into different writings so uh, but, um, in, there are some texts that um there's someone up, uh, certain um well uh, they're asking the reader to be particularly active, and mm. some of my texts they could just maybe um, is is when the reader would just a good read. It mm. doesn't want to be called into action. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> I don't think we we're dealing with those kind of texts. So, mm. Yes. So the studio, the, as you were talking before, it's the studio is an element, a crucial element in your blog, isn't it? So I suppose it's 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 the studio of the reader, of readership, as yeah. well as the as the practitioner. The studio of everybody working together in that way, in some. Yes. Yeah, and the studying yeah, of, you know, yeah. the, you know, studying the studio, uh, and exactly. reflecting yeah. and, you know, and uh, working. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we, we hope that it will become, with time, a, a useful resource for, not only for translators, but also, um, well, students of translations, but readers as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a way, you want to make translation, yes, more accessible and, um, and to show what um, an exciting mm -hmm. uh, process and form it is, and uh, we we want to actually expand on that on that idea. Um, so we'll to to share our enthusiasm, but mm. also uh, you know yes, make it accessible mm. to a, a wider audience if you want. Well, you certainly both have expressed your enthusiasm for translation today. I must say, it's been completely infectious. Um, I want. I think we may be coming to an end of our time. I wonder if there's anything you would like to add. Uh, that occurs to you, you know, in any way at all about things related to translation or to the blog or things you would like to see or do? Well, I suppose it's just really what Manuel has just said about the blog. They really would like um, to see the blog taking off in terms mm -hmm. of people responding, um, other in the debates uh, about the theme we which we will propose every. Hmm three months because we thought it was every just three a, every three months because you just think it's, it's enough to you know mm. for people to um, give their contributions and mm. to discuss on a particular mm. theme and also uh, to produce translations or just offer their own translations so other can respond mm. to them so mm. create the debate and you know a more of you know interactive place 
Um, we were thinking about mm. uh, the next team, mm. uh, might be the uh, right translating South American authors uh-huh. or South American texts. Right. So we have, you know, we hope that we'll have uh, mm. um, contributions um, <coughs> about, you know, mm. th- you know, even from a cultural perspective mm. and. Mm. Um, and um, we'll see. And we hope to have guest bloggers as well. So we'll, uh, we'll see. So that would also be text to text, but also multi multimedial, multimodal as well, yes. perhaps. Yes. 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 Um, some people, uh, Clive Scott. Sorry, we, we're going on again. But but uh, there's the idea of translating into the same language, isn't there? But in, you know, Clive Scott talks about this, and you know, but into a different jar, but in but in the same language, language or even yes. a different meter or different. Different approach to prose writing, but just in the same language. <laughs> I don't know if you'd be, you know, people just off the top of my head, whether, whether you know, contemporary Spanish writers might translate into their own idiom other Spanish writers, or something yeah. of this sort, or Latin American. Yeah, um, because that, that opens yeah. up the, yeah. that uh, that possibility as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, I think it, what is interesting is actually the idea of translation. Yes, it yes. doesn't matter which is the language of. Mm-hmm. Departure, the language of arrival, or, the, or which language they're working mm-hmm. with. But actually, the, what is exciting is this process of translation, which can be applied to different um, settings, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, mm-hmm. and disciplines, even if you are in mm-hmm. in, um, mm-hmm. in an academic mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. if you want, and uh, uh, you know, art, for example, and uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 so it, it's 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 what is really exciting is that we. We always engage with uh, translation in a way or another, and uh, what we want to do is just to make this engagement visible and making um, people understand about their translational activities, even if they're not aware of that. Uh, the language <coughs> is fluid and doesn't need to be crystallized necessarily. Mm. You can mm. actually render fluid, and uh, and that's what it makes you know um, really exciting. The possibility of uh, rethinking meanings, rewriting. Um, yes, and what makes us uh, really to progress, yes. <laughs> not to be stuck in the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Thank you both very much. Well, been thank very, you. very rewarding. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Ross.